Well, hey there, everyone. Today we're covering a topic that uh, is very near and dear to me because we're going to talk about this question. Are Mormons Christians? Joining me on the podcast is Alan Parr. He runs the YouTube channel The Beat and Pastor Ross Anderson, who came out of the Mormon church and now does ministry among the Mormons. And he also runs the website faithaftermormonism.org. So first of all, guys, thanks for joining me. And I guess my first question to both of you is, why is this an important topic? Well, I'd say if you understand Mormonism, they really portrayed themselves as mainstream Christians more and more in the last couple of generations or decades. They'd like to be seen as, you know, one of the boys sort of, or, or like a normal traditional Christian group. And they have great morals and values and a lot of things in common with traditional Christianity, but their doctrine and their approach to salvation is really, really different. It's an underlying worldview that's really different. And so I think there are eternal stakes. It's, it's, it's challenging because they might look and act a lot like the people that you know we know as Christians. Yeah, Alan, down in the Bible Belt, how do you think most Christians, most church-going Christians would answer this question? What do they know about Mormons? Do they think they're Christians? I would probably say that the majority of you know, well-meaning, well-intending, church-going Christians would probably say yes, uh, they are. It's interesting that um, even in an interview seven, several years ago, when Joel Osteen was asked about Mitt Romney, who was uh, running to be president, and uh, even Joel Osteen, a pastor of the largest church in the country, I believe, said that, yeah, he believed that Mormonism, you know, was the same as Christians, meaning, hey, we believe the same thing, and he's my brother in Christ. So, you know, if it's possible that a pastor could believe that, I think that it's it's probable that many Christians, as soon as they hear that someone believes in Christ, hey, that's good enough. You believe in Christ, I believe in Christ, you're my brother, and so therefore we're the same. Now, Ross, you grew up in a Mormon household. You grew up Mormon or LDS. Would you have called yourself a Christian as a Mormon? Y- yes, in some way, in some sense. Now, it's changed since those days, that was a long time ago, it's changed in the sense that Mormonism used to have this sort of more of an us and them mentality, and they didn't really want to be identified as Christians entirely because uh, they wanted to be identified as the one true church. Now they have lowered the barriers in a sense. They've wanted to identify more and more with uh, Christianity as a whole. And I think what motivates that is their desire to gain converts. And so they position themselves in a way that you know looks more attractive or appealing to nominal Christians, people coming out of some kind of a Christian background, at least. A Mormon coming to your door, then Ross, if I'm hearing you right, you know, a Mormon missionary coming to your door is going to present present himself as a Christian. Is that true? Absolutely. I mean, they they will say, "Look, Jesus Christ is in the name of our church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints." Now, it, it may have started as an attempt to. Uh, lower the barriers for the sake of proselytizing. But what's happened in the Mormon culture at large is that LDS people really do see themselves as legitimate Christians who maybe just have a few differences. A lot of times they'll say, oh, we believe the same things that you do, which is farthest thing from the truth. But that's how many of them perceive the relationship between Mormonism and traditional Christianity. Yeah. In fact, one of the things you say in, in your topic online is that evangelicals use a narrow definition of the word Christian, and Mormons use a broad one. What do you mean by that? Well, Mormons will use a, a, they'll say, well, look, we have the name, and so therefore we're Christians. Or they they say, well, we really try to follow Jesus. We really try to emulate him. He's a model for our behavior. Therefore, we're Christians. 
And so that's pretty broad. Evangelicals are saying, from a biblical basis, we're saying that Christianity or being a Christian is something that's very particular, and it depends on a particular kind of relationship with God and a particular kind of decision that a person makes. And so um, it's a much narrower definition than just saying, yeah, anybody who calls themselves or anybody who tries to live a certain way is a Christian. So what, what, would, what would be going through a Mormon's mind if I sat down and had this conversation with them and I pointed a finger at them and said, no, trust me, you're not a Christian. Right. Well, they would be offended, and partly because they use an ethical definition, like, you know, we're the people who try to live Jesus' way. They would say, they would feel like you were saying you're a bad person or your, uh, mor- your morality doesn't count. We're not saying that at all, but that's how they would filter it. So, of course, Alan, for us as evangelical Christians, what, what would we mean when we say, well, Mormons aren't Christians? What do we mean by that? Well, I think that, uh, as Ross said, you know, we define Christianity in much more narrow terms. So I think we would clearly define a Christian as someone who follows and believes in the Christ that's been revealed to us in the Bible. I would also nuance it a little bit and say, so we're asking the question in in our podcast, we're asking, are, are Mormons Christians? I would say that there's also another question out there lurking that's not exactly the same question. That is, is Mormonism Christian? And so, see, I would say that you maybe define it a little bit differently for institutions versus for individuals. And so you might ask, is that is that church a Christian church or is that a Christian college? And, and so for an institution, we definitely use, uh, I think, a doctrinal grid, a perspective. So if that institution is not teaching what historically the Bible teaches and what Christians have held, then we'd say, no, it's not a Christian church or, or that uh, or a Christian college. For individuals, a person individually can believe all the right things and have all the right doctrine, but not have trusted Jesus and not have a living relationship with Christ. And so that's why it's a little bit nuanced when we talk about individuals Uh, versus institutions. Yeah, and we should say that you can be in a Baptist church, a Christian church, and still not be a Christian, right? This is what you're saying, Ross, that you can attend a church that has right doctrine, but you haven't yet trusted Jesus for salvation. And so therefore, you go to a Christian church, but you're not a Christian. And I guess conversely, you could go to the Mormon church, which, as we'll get to, doesn't teach orthodox doctrine, but yet you might still have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't think that happens a lot, but I do I do have some Mormon friends that I believe know who Jesus is in spite of their church that has doctrine that is not necessarily biblical. Right, and I think that is theoretically possible, and, it, and I can also name cases. But I think you, you put your finger on it, Brian, when you said that they would be a Christian in spite of um, what the Mormon church— and I think that the, a person who is LDS— the closer they believe to standard Mormonism, the less likely it is that they would actually be a Christian in the biblical sense, because then they would believe things or be counting on things that just are, are not biblical, historically uh, believed. Now, Alan, in your video that you just put out a few weeks ago on your channel, it, the title is Our Mormons Christians or Not. I'll put a link to that in the notes below this podcast episode. But let's, let's walk through these five areas that you talk about. You talk about origin revelation, view of God, view of Jesus, and view of salvation. So here, how about we play it like this? Alan, you're going to play the Christian, the evangelical Christian. Ross, you're going to play the Mormon. So let's talk about 
origin. Alan, how would you answer the question, what is the origin of Christianity? Well, I would say that the origin of Christianity is that it was originated from Jesus Christ, who lived a sinless life. And But uh, for all those who would follow after Christ, uh, the Bible says they were first called Christians at Antioch. So essentially, the Christian faith um, you know, originated through the life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. Now, Ross, what would a Mormon say about the or how would they nuance the origin of the Mormon Church? Well, they would uh, they would say really what Joseph Smith did when he founded Mormonism was he was actually restoring the original church that Jesus started in the New Testament, but that that church was lost and became apostate. There was no longer any authority. All the, after the apostles died, the, the church lost the authority to speak or act for God and so went into apostasy. And so, therefore, the truth was lost. The Bible was corrupted. God had to raise up someone to restore that original church. So, you know, as, as Christians, we would look at that really differently. We would look at Joseph Smith as being the origin of the Mormon church. From their perspective, they would say, no, Joseph Smith was just restoring what Jesus started in the first place. We can, there's plenty of answers to those assertions. There never was a great apostasy, for example, and the church of Mormonism, it doesn't match the church that Jesus founded in many, many respects. But that's how they would, that's how they would understand the question of origin. And, and, the, and it relates to really the second issue, Alan, which is revelation, which includes their view of scripture and whether God, how and whether God still speaks today. And so, Alan, how would Christians articulate our view of revelation and scripture? Yeah, and I, and I think this is a major, major difference here uh, between uh, you know Orthodox evangelical Christianity and uh, you know the Mormon faith, which is that we believe uh, that you know Christ, excuse me, God has revealed Himself through the Scriptures. Now, there's differences here. I mean, obviously, if there is uh, you know someone of the Catholic uh, faith or denomination, then they may believe that uh, there are more than 66 books in the Bible. But for the most part, talking about evangelical Christianity, we believe in uh, what's called a closed canon, which means that everything that we need for life and godliness, Second Peter chapter one, uh, has been given to us, and so we have everything that we need. There's no more. There's no more need for further revelation. And more important than that, if let's say for sake of argument that there would possibly be further revelation, which once again, we don't believe that, then by no means should it ever contradict anything that has been previously written in the scriptures. The Bible's very clear about not adding or taking away from the scriptures. So, Ross, how does a Mormon view this idea of revelation and scripture? Yeah, there's two things. One is they would, they would believe that there are more scriptures than the Bible, um, and then they would also believe that their church is led by living prophets who speak for God. And so new new scripture could be added at any time. And so they have four basic books of scripture, three other ones besides the Bible. And then the wrinkle on that is that they they believe that, as I mentioned before, the Bible has been corrupted over time. And so it can't it's not really fully authoritative. It can't really fully be trusted. Although they can't tell us where it's been corrupted or their living prophets haven't been able to tell us, you know, to correct the Bible. Um, but they have this view of the Bible. And, and really, if you look at every group, every aberrant group uh, through history, they've always found a way to undermine the authority of the Bible because you have to do that first if you're going to introduce theological innovations. 
And so Mormonism, you know, they put a lot of emphasis on their living prophets. Um, those words are to be considered as scripture, even though they may, may not, they might not formally be codified in their scriptures. Now, Ross, I remember years ago, I walked through the museum down in Salt Lake and I saw Joseph Smith's Bible and it, I think it was open to Philippians, if I remember correctly. And he had marked out everything that he believed was in error in the, I couldn't believe that it was on display first and foremost, but really what, what that was, was I think his attempt at creating his own translation, which is the Joseph Smith translation. But that's, that's actually not the translation that most Mormons use. They use the King James version. So was that Joseph Smith trying to trying to tell us what was right and what was wrong? Absolutely. He did make that attempt. And the reason they don't use it, well, they don't own the copyright to it. It's owned by a splinter group. But more than that is that it's not credible. If you really look at it, you go, oh, my gosh, what was he thinking? You know, there's just so many weird things in there um, that it, it's just not credible. But they do footnote it in, in their... Um, King James Bible, a lot of the references, cross-references refer to things in the Joseph Smith translation. So it has a high, it has a high place, but it's not fully recognized either at the same time. One other question for you, Ross, when it comes to the Book of Mormon, according to, according to Mormons, that is kind of akin to Old Testament scripture, isn't it? Explain how. Yeah, they will say that they believe it was given by prophets who were from Israel, that they just came to America. They snuck off before the Babylonian destruction and established uh, the nation, these nations in America, but they were successors to the ancient prophets um, of Israel. So they believe that the Book of Mormon is actually an ancient book of, of uh, like the story of God's people, yeah, so they would believe it's a story of God's people in the Americas, whereas the Old Testament is a story of God's people in the Middle East. All right, so let's go to number three, uh, Alan, view of God. How would a Christian articulate view of God? What I want you to cover here just real briefly is Trinity, uh, deity of Christ, all that kind of stuff. How do we view that? Yeah, well, first off, we have to start with uh, the fact that God is the uncreated creator. He's the uncaused cause. God is eternal. He always was. He always will be. You know, he's the Alpha and the Omega, beginning and the last. Who he is today is who he always was and always will be. And then, of course, uh, Christ being the Son of God, Christ always was. Uh, looking at scriptures like Hebrews 1 and Colossians 1 and John 1 1, all point to the fact that. You know, Christ is co-eternal with the Father. Uh, and then, of course, you have the Holy Spirit, who's co-eternal, the Father and the Son. And so uh, we would affirm strongly the deity of Christ. Uh, we would affirm that all three are, are equal in terms of their essence, uh, different roles, but all God, one God, uh, existing in three persons. So, yeah, Ross, explain that. Do, do Mormons, number one, believe in the Trinity? How do they view God? Are they monotheistic? Address all those in two minutes or less. So, Alan is really right. This is, the this is I think, the area where the differences are the most stark and huge. The f underlying worldview is completely different at this point. And I talk to Mormon people who want to emphasize the similarities. They don't really understand, I don't think, how hugely different the view of God really is. Because they believe that that God um, was once a human being. That's just radically different. And that uh, human beings can there, thereby become gods themselves someday and rule 
you know, their own, uh, create their own worlds and, and populate them and so forth. And so their concept of God reduces the distance, the transcendence of God, the distance between God and humanity by making God just like one of us, only farther along the path. And so it completely minimizes this sense of the holiness and the otherness and the uniqueness of God. Um, they believe that that the God is a exalted human being with a physical body, not a spirit. And so their God is not in any way, shape, or form eternal or omnipotent or unchanging. Or it's just uh, it's so completely different than the biblical perspective on God. Okay, so let me pause you there for a second. Are are if I've got a Mormon missionary couple coming to my door and giving me six lessons on Mormonism, am I? Because that sounds so so, doesn't it, Alan? That is so different from Christianity. And I think most Christians in the Bible Bible Belt would say that's not right. I'm pretty sure that's not in the Bible. Are you going to hear that in those six lessons, Ross? No, not likely. You will hear. Um, they're they're okay with talking about how people can become like God. That's a way that they minimize the sense of the difference of their view. They'll, they might talk about deification, but they never come straight out and really describe what that means or what it means in terms of uh, the kind of being that God actually is. Okay, so what about the view of Jesus? Alan already kind of shared the evangelical perspective. What 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 do Mormons think about Jesus then? Because you were talking about God, and they, they would say God the Father, right, when they say God. Right. God the Father is number one God. Jesus, they believe Jesus is God, but only in a lesser sense. It's kind of a more derived sense that that Jesus is again. He's he's a human like us. He, but not that not that he's God who became man, but that he's a human like us who became God. And so he's just another one of the spirit children of of Heavenly Father. He had a unique and prominent place, so that he was chosen to be our Savior. It's not like he was intrinsically that person. And so so Jesus is very, I think, diminished in Mormonism. Now, much of what they believe about Jesus is derived from the four Gospels, so there's a lot of common ground. There's more common ground about Jesus than in any other of these areas. Between his birth and his death and resurrection, the data is pretty much the same, but it's Jesus before his birth and Jesus after the resurrection where the views of Mormonism and biblical Christianity really diverge. And what is the relationship between Jesus and, say, Satan, according to Mormons? We all lived as spirit children of Heavenly Father in a pre-existence before we came to this earth. And we were, as all uh, spirit children of the Father, you were there, I was there, all a human being, every human being was there. This is a Mormon this is belief. The Mormon perspective, right, let's make that clear. Yeah. But also, uh, Lucifer was there. He was one of our spirit brothers, and so was Jesus. Lucifer, without getting too far afield here, this is really an odd story in a way, but Lucifer did not like God's salvation plan. He wanted to be chosen as the Savior, so he rebelled against God. He led a third of the spirit children of God astray, and they they fought against God, and uh, they lost. And so those spirit children of God, our brothers and sisters who rebelled against God, never had the opportunity to come to this earth and have a body. So they could never become uh, future gods themselves. They became Satan and the demons. Well, I just had a question for Ross. They say that they, um, you know, that the King James Bible is something that they hold near and dear, and it's one of their Mm -hmm. four books. But how do they reconcile what is clearly revealed in the scriptures about God and Christ with these beliefs. And that's something I've always wondered. How, how do they reconcile that? 
without there being an inconsistency between the two. Because if right. there is, it seems like that would be the breakdown and say, okay, well, there's something wrong with this with this belief system that the Bible that you hold near and dear is saying one thing and you know maybe another book or a prophet is saying something different. How would they reconcile those? They have minimized the authority of the Bible. They've said that you know, through the great apostasy, uh, some plain and precious truths were removed from the Bible. The Bible's been corrupted by unscrupulous people who wanted to advance an agenda. Now, of course, none of that is, um, you can't substantiate any of that from history or from biblical study, but that's their perspective. And so it's easy to dismiss anything the Bible says on the basis of, well, you know, we can't fully trust the Bible. We have to understand the Bible through the grid of modern day prophets and through the other scriptures. And so the interpretive approach is always going to be, let's see how this stacks up with this, these, other, these other sources. And those sources are primary and they rule. And so the other thing they do is they just pick and choose from the Bible. They proof text it so they can find things that support their perspective if you don't actually look into the context or really actually understand what's going on. And with the King James Version, because it's in archaic language that most people struggle to understand, that makes it even easier to obscure the plain meaning of the biblical text. And it's interesting also, Ross, on that note, that the Book of Mormon is written in King James English, and yet the revelation allegedly came to Joseph Smith in the eight, in the early 1800s, where they didn't even speak that English, that version of English anymore. So in my mind, correct me if I'm wrong, I've always thought that that was a little bit of a part of the con job, that he would, instead of using the vernacular that everyone would understand, he wanted to use something that sounded more spiritual. Yeah, it sounds scripture-y. And plus, a lot of it is plagiarized directly from the King James Version of the Bible, too. So, Okay, so let's, let's, let's touch this last point, Alan, that you had in your video that you talked about, and it's the view of salvation. So, Alan, how would you articulate a, an evangelical Christian view of salvation? Well, I think first we have to start with uh, the fact that we're all born sinners. Uh, we're not born innocent. Uh, we're all born sinners. Um, the Bible says we're born in in iniquity, uh, in sin. Uh, so uh, we're in desperate need for a Savior. And then once again, what does that mean? What does salvation look like for uh, for the Christian? Well, obviously there are differing views on this. Some believe that you know you have to work for your salvation and you can lose it. Um, many people, myself in, uh, included, believe in eternal security, meaning hey, once you're genuinely saved and you're a believer in Christ, your salvation is secure. Uh, but regardless, beyond our life, salvation for the believer would be uh, eternal life in the presence of God. That would be how we would we would explain salvation. And Ross, what would Mormons say about this term? Because Mormons have the term salvation also, but it means something a little different. Right. And this is where that language terminology issue comes into play, because um, most of the terminology that Alan just used to articulate the biblical perspective, a lot of those words are used by Mormons, but in a very different sense. The idea of sin has a kind of a different meaning. They don't believe that we're sinners by nature or by birth. That They would say, yes, indeed, we sin, and sin is a problem, but uh, they don't believe that we're sinful by nature. And so, therefore, sin can really be overcome by our own effort. Um, and so, when they talk about salvation, that means a couple of different things, but primarily what they mean is, you know, ultimately we can climb the ladder to become gods ourselves someday. 
but that takes our obedience to commandments and ordinances, ritual, and, and different kind of covenants that we have to make. And so when Jesus died on the cross, they would say that was necessary but not sufficient. So it takes the death of Jesus on the cross to open the door for us, like to unlock the gate for us, so that we can climb the ladder ourselves. And that so they have a very different meaning of, of grace, the different meaning of salvation, a different meaning of repentance. Um, but it really all comes down to a system of grace plus works. There's a place for grace. Grace is not all. But then works, your works are really important. And what you do is going to determine your eternal destiny. Alan, final thoughts or questions from you on this topic are Mormons, Christians. Well, I think this is a very, very um, important topic. And um, the reason being is that not necessarily just looking at our Mormons, Christians, or is Mormon or is Mormonism Christianity, but just thinking in terms of from a Christian perspective, do we have the discernment as Christians to be able to distinguish truth from error? And I heard it put one way, like if, if you're trying to tell whether a dollar bill is uh, a genuine dollar bill, uh, you know, one way would be to try to study all the counterfeits out there, uh, which would take uh, forever, right? But if you learn how to know exactly what a true, genuine, authentic dollar bill looks like, then by default, you'll be able to easily detect a counterfeit no matter who created it. So I think this is one of those things where it's so important that we as Christians know exactly what we believe and why we believe so that when other groups that sound kind of like they should be Christians, I mean, you've got Hebrew Israelites, you've got Jehovah's Witnesses, you've got Christian science, you've got Scientology, you've got Mormonism, you've got a lot of these different groups that have popped up over the years. I think the, the thing that we really need to take heart in is, okay, these groups, they know what they believe and they study it really, really well even though they don't possess the truth, but they know what they believe. Uh, but many of us as Christians, we don't know what we believe. And that's why topics like this are so important so that we're not led astray uh, and we know what we believe and why we believe it. And Ross, we'll give you the final word on this topic. Well, I just totally agree with what Alan said. It, you know, this is going to really apply to um, any kind of group, even within Christianity, even within historic Christianity, you have movements that arise that, um, where prominent preachers or others, you know, maybe a certain church here or there, like they don't really hold to some of the basics that Alan um, described earlier. They don't hold to the deed, the full deity of Christ or to the full authority of Scripture. And so even with within groups that might arise out of historic Christianity, we still have to have that discernment uh, to really discern what's true and what isn't. Well, guys, thanks for having this conversation with us on this episode. And for those of you listening, if you want to check out Alan's channel or the video that we've been referring to in his channel, I'll put that link below. I'll also put a link to Ross's website, faithaftermormonism.org, along with a couple of books he's written on the topic of Mormonism. And again, just as always, find more content for great conversations just like this one at PursueGod.org.